The material contained in the following program is designed for informational purposes only. It is not intended to replace existing training policies or guidelines of individual law enforcement agencies. This is Stuff You Never Ever Learned at the Academy from In the Line of Duty. Hello, I'm Ron Barber. I'm calling this Stuff You Never Ever Learned at the Academy because that's what this podcast is all about. More and more as a result of the pandemic and as a result of the chaos so rife in 2020, law enforcement is testing the waters of distance learning and online training. I am proud to tell you several things about Line of Duty's online learning platform. Number one, it is far and away the least expensive, and we can prove it. Number two, it will lower your workers' comp claims, and we can prove it. Number three, it will lessen your liability exposure, and we can prove it. And number four, it will enhance officers' safety, and we can prove that. For 25 years, In the Line of Duty has been and continues to be the only reality-based video and online training for law enforcement. And we offer you an absolutely free two-week trial with zero obligation for you to go in and kick the tires, if you will. Just go to lineofduty.com and click on the red tab marked Get a Free Preview or email info at lineofduty.com to get started. Radio talker Sean Hannity had a gentleman named Israel Del Toro on his radio program not long ago. Israel's a master sergeant in the Air Force who had been refused entrance twice to the commissary where he's based because he wasn't wearing a mask. Now keep in mind, he couldn't wear a mask because he's got no ears. He couldn't have put it on if he did have ears because he's only got one hand and it has no fingers. Israel had been so critically injured when an IED exploded under his Humvee in Afghanistan that he was burned over 80% of his body and ultimately needed more than 130 skin grafts and was in a coma for three months. Hannity wanted to know about the pain and agony Israel had endured. And Israel told him it was like this. Take a bird's feather, not even a large bird, and just let it waft down and touch his burned skin, and it was pure hell, which he had endured over dozens and dozens of skin grafts for over three years. He couldn't turn over. He couldn't sleep without massive doses of meds. A nurse couldn't change his dressing without it being ungodly agonizing. You get the picture, don't you? Can you even begin to imagine what it must have been like to use the bathroom? Israel remembers the day that changed his life forever. When I got out of the truck, I was on uh, a fire from head to toe. And that was December 4th, 2005. 
I wake up March of 2006. I was in coma for four months, and it's weird not knowing what happened in your life for four months, just completely blank. This is the part where now my wife gets tested with her resiliency, because she gets a phone call, actually on her birthday, it was December 5th, a great birthday present I gave my wife. Uh, she was happen just happened to be at church, and her sister was at home, and so her sister went back and told her, hey, one of DT's friends want to talk to you. I woke up in March, and I, I sort of remember her being there, and the doc's telling me what had happened. They're asking me, do you know where you're at? I'm like, oh, Afghanistan. They're like, no. Do you know the date? It's like, December something. It's like, no, it's March. And it, you know, they're looking at me and then telling me, you know, 80% of your body is 30-degree burns. I'm going to say, why can't I move? Why can't I talk? What's going on? And they say, you almost died three times on us, and then give me my diagnosis. You're still going to be in the hospital for another year, year and a half. You're really on a respirator for the rest of your life. You may not walk again. And your military career is pretty much over. And they're all waiting to see what I'm going to say. And I look at them, I was like, pretty much, you know, you can go to hell. You know, of course, they read my lips because I had a trach. From that day, I just kept pushing. I was like, I'm not going to let this beat me. I was like, I, got, I have a son. I got to show him that, yeah, dad got jacked up, but dad's not quitting. Dad's not going to let this ruin his life. And never throughout my entire ordeal when I was throwing recovery did I wish I, I died, uh, except for... I call this uh, my, my darkest hour. Uh, when you're severely burned, they cover the mirrors. They want to ease you into your transition to what you look like now. And I was going to the restroom. I was getting, having help. You know, I have my wife and my therapist. We're walking, and I, like I slip, and I don't know who grabbed it, but my wife from Gary, and they pull the tower off the mirror, and I see myself, and, and, and I break down. I tell them, you guys should have let me die. It wasn't... Uh, vanity thing for me. It was more that if a 30-something man sees himself and thinks he's a monster, what's a three-year-old kid going to think? Because no father wants his son to be afraid of him, and I didn't want my son to be afraid of me. He was my everything. He was my motivation. He was my spark. And to have the fear that he may run away from me when he sees me crushed me. But the day I saw him, you know, after I got out of the hospital, I walked in, and of course I was all bandaged up. I looked like a freaking mummy. I walk in, I remember some of my teammates being there, and my wife, some of my relatives, and her saying, you know, Bobby's home, and he comes running out, and he stops. And I'm like, holy crap, he's afraid of me. He doesn't want to come by me. All these bad thoughts of my, that dark hour of mine was rushing back, he's gonna be scared. And he, he tilts his head like this, as like, Bobby was like, yeah, buddy. And he just runs up to give me a hug. Best hug, the most amazing hug I've ever had in my life, you know. All he wanted was his dad. All he wanted was the dad. Years ago, I covered the Jason Schechterly story for In the Line of Duty, Special Issue 11. Jason had been a dark-haired, dark-eyed young stud who'd been an officer with the Phoenix PD for just two years when his Crown Vic Cruiser was rear-ended at 115 miles an hour by a cab driver. The cabbie was an illegal who had not taken his epilepsy meds. Jason Schechterly was pretty much being incinerated alive until a fire crew just across the street headed to another call had witnessed the crash and resulting inferno. They extricated what was left of Jason Schechterly that night, and life as he knew it was 
forever changed. He became the only person in history at the time to recover from fifth-degree burns, and pretty much everything above his waistline was destroyed. No ears, no nose, no mouth, and pretty much useless claws for hands and fingers. He was blind for eight months. Yet through it all, his almost otherworldly spirit and obsession with overcoming made his story one for the ages. Jason told me about his love of policing despite it all. I've wanted to be a police officer since I was about 16 years old. My older brother is a famous police officer and he joined the department in 1989. He's nine years older than I am. And I kind of learned through him what the job was about. I went on a few ride-alongs with him. And then I joined the military out of high school and was a security police in the military. Uh, another reason I used to like to ride with Brian at work because he was always very calm. And I was, you know, if I wanted to get angry or if I wanted to yell and scream, I could because I was very temperamental also, had a very short fuse. And now, nothing makes me angry. I can't get mad if I try. I don't know why. It's very strange how that has changed. Nothing makes me angry. And I think it's because something so incredible to me has happened that everything else is just small to me. Now, I, I think, you know, if you haven't gone through something like this, I don't think you should say, oh, well, my problems aren't anything. You know, it's all relative. You know, if you have problems in your life and they're a big deal to you, that's very respectful and everybody should respect that. But I can't think of too much worse that can happen to me. So, you know, nothing else happens. If I don't get to, if I don't meet a deadline that I wanted to meet or if I oversleep through the alarm or, you know, if my kid decides to draw on my drywall, I'm, good Lord, if that's the biggest problem I'm gonna have, I'm gonna do just fine, so. It's all there in Line of Duty Special Issue 11. And if you ever get a bit down, or a hell of a lot down, I promise you, if you'll spend just a few minutes getting to know Israel Del Toro and Jason Schechterly, your vision of yourself, your appreciation of yourself, and even your love of yourself and the gifts God has given you will take on a dramatically new and, I think, improved light. Try it. You'll like it. By the way, speaking of fantastic people, in September 2020, Line of Duty online subscribers will meet Jamie Bridges, a police counselor and longtime veteran cop who got hooked on painkillers after an accident, got arrested, lost her law enforcement career, and resurrected her life and a new career helping and counseling hurting officers. It's an incredible story I feel in my heart every cop will appreciate. When I went through a very difficult time in my life, and it was very public uh, when I was an officer and I, and I got arrested and I was so ashamed and uh, because of my addiction. And I was, I, my, that same coach who had coached me since I was 15, I, I was mortified when she called. And she's like, she picked up the phone. She's like, I just wanted you to know that I love you. And you're still the same person that you were, that you've been since you were 15 years old. This is just a hiccup in the road and you have to keep your head up. You're a fighter and you need to keep going. And I think it was what, what I'd like to 
the mo that moment, it, it really made me realize it was okay to love myself again. Cause the person I looked up to the most could still love me then I needed to love myself. And, um, so I think it's just, for me, it was somebody that was important that still believed in me and believed that I was a good person to pick my head up and keep moving forward. Be looking for it online. It's special issue 53 at lineofduty.com. Post-traumatic stress. A police counselor talks to all cops. Thanks for listening. I'm Ron Barber, and that is stuff you never, ever learned at the Academy.